Welcome to the Weekly Juice Podcast, where we discuss all things real estate, personal finance, investing, and entrepreneurship. Whether this is your first time here or you're an avid listener, we're thrilled to have you as a part of our community. Our goal is to share stories of successful entrepreneurs and investors in the hopes that they assist you along your journey towards financial freedom. We discuss successes, failures, systems, motivations, experiences, tips and tricks, and key lessons learned over time. After each episode, you should feel motivated, empowered, and prepared to take action in your own life. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday to get your weekly juice. You can also find us on Instagram at Weekly Juice Pod, where we post daily content, personal finance tips, and document our own journey towards financial freedom. Welcome back to the Weekly Juice Podcast. As always, it's your boys, Ryan and Corey here with another episode for you. Today, we had on special guest, Philip Vera, aka Flip Augusta on social media. Phil is a 35-year-old business owner, property manager, and real estate investor with a portfolio of over 135 units. His portfolio is comprised of single and multifamily long-term rentals, as well as a few short-term rentals. And the craziest thing is Phil is doing all this while investing while also being the CEO of a property management company that manages over a hundred, a thousand properties in four different markets. Yeah. Well, we always put stuff on our uh, Instagram of like, what interview questions should you be asking a property manager? How do you interview them? Like we pretty much just ran through an entire interview of a property manager and all the reasons why that you should use a property manager as you start to scale your portfolio and fill we may be being biased here, but like he seems like this guy. I mean, he's extremely buttoned up. He might be one of the best property managers that I've ever had a conversation with. I don't know that to be fact yet because we don't use him, but like we've he's come highly, highly, highly recommended in especially in his Augusta, Georgia market. So it's a really, really detailed episode all about property management as well as you know how Phil built this portfolio of 135 units in literally like three or two years. Yeah. He's done this in such a short amount of time. He's, he t- takes on a lot during the day. I can't believe he manages this massive portfolio as well as his own business. Um, and then also, I think this episode's really fun for those golfers out there, right? We know Augusta's home of the masters and it's yep. cool to take a dive in on the market and see, you know, what long-term rentals and short-term rentals play in and, Phil really does a great job of peeling the layers back, right? And letting us see the market as a whole and also the ins and outs of property management. We know for a fact, we now have to go this route. It's going to save us so much time. We need a property manager. So for those looking to hire one or still on the fence, this is the episode for you. Tons of, tons of, tons of knowledge and facts in there um, to help you make a good decision for your business. Yeah, man. I think uh, without further ado, let's get Phil in here. Are you new to investing? Wondering whether or not you can self-manage your properties? Let us tell you about our partner, RentReady. RentReady is an awesome property management software that can help you grow and handle every aspect of your real estate investing business. Rent collection, tenant screening, maintenance, lease signing, listing. Honestly, RentReady has everything. One of the best features is their new tenant software, Latchel, where you're able to remove yourself as the landlord from being the middleman between tenants and maintenance calls. And it's also essentially a fraction of the cost of what you would pay for property management. Let me also mention that RentReady is unlimited. All their plans are flat price. This means you can keep adding properties to your portfolio without having to pay more. You can close on all the properties you want and RentReady's price stays the same. Best part about it is for you guys is they've given us an amazing deal to pass on to all Weekly Juice listeners. You can get 50% off any RentReady plan at rentready.com when you use our code JUICEPOD. 
That's rentready.com, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code JUICEPOD, J-U-I-C-E-P-O-D, and you'll get 50% off any plan. Phil, officially welcome to the Weekly Juice Podcast. Corey and I are thrilled to have you on. We've gotten connected through a, a few different investors and specifically uh, a few in the Rat Race Defy community uh, or mastermind, but we followed your story for a little bit now and, and you've done incredible work in such a short amount of time. Uh, we'd love to share that with our listeners. So without further ado, welcome to the show. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Um, so if you could just give a brief background of yourself, kind of where you are currently stationed, how you got into real estate and your whole, I guess, story of investing. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm based in Augusta, Georgia, um, Flip Augusta. Uh, so kind of, kind of where I grew up. Uh, I'm originally from Corpus Christi, Texas, but by way of my father being in the military, ended up in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, they, you know, my father retired, moved on. I was tired of kind of moving around. So I said, I'm, I'm staying put. This is going to be my home base. Uh, went to school up the street in Athens, uh, go dogs, went to the university of Georgia. Uh, so had a big, uh, had a big couple weeks the past couple of weeks yes, with sir. the national championship uh, in the parade. So super excited about that. But yeah, I went to school at the university of Georgia, uh, got a turf grass management degree. Most people don't know that I have a background in agriculture. So I studied, you know, crop and soil science, soybeans, corn, you name it, uh, was in the golf industry for 10 years. So I was a golf course superintendent, seven of those 10 years, I worked at Augusta national golf club, which Love just it. happened to be in my backyard here in Augusta. So home of the masters, uh, spent seven out of 10 years doing that. Loved it. Uh, always had a passion for real estate and, um, it kind of, you know, hit a transition point with, uh, I got married, uh, my wife and I wanted to start a family and went back to school, got my MBA, just didn't really know if, if, the golf course was going to be long-term. So kind of set up a backup plan, got my MBA, uh, really loved real estate, had a passion for real estate and decided I wanted to kind of make a move. The golf course, I was a little burnout, long hours working outside and just wanted to kind of transition, reposition myself for kind of longevity in the, in the workplace. Um, and so got my MBA, got into commercial real estate initially uh, I was leasing enclosed mall space, which is probably one of the hardest jobs I've ever had because we were leasing enclosed mall space when malls were dying. So uh, we were in secondary and tertiary markets. But what I got out of that was a crash course and kind of redevelopment, um, you know, uh, thinking creative, uh, creatively with real estate. And so the owner of our company had this great vision for how he, how he was going to reposition these malls, uh, do redevelopment, kind of cut them in half, flip them to power centers, shopping centers. And what he really had was the best real estate in all these small towns. And so he was just waiting for kind of the right time to reposition. Um, and so I kind of got this crash course and working with contractors, working with developers, working with uh, the cities, uh, the local municipalities, in, in kind of creative ways to uh, think about real estate. Uh, I had the opportunity to get back into golf and took a job in Denver, Colorado. It was a great opportunity. Couldn't really pass it up. So I said, let me give it one more shot. Um, really, really kind of missed being on the golf course. Moved out to Denver and 
my wife and I uh, got pregnant. So decided, Hey, it's time to really, time to really figure out what we want to do. And, um, and we decided we wanted to settle back down in Augusta and kind of be here long-term. So repositioned, made a move back to Augusta and got into single family, uh, investment real estate, um, and, and work for a real estate investment brokerage We're regional and we help investors invest in real estate. And, uh, so that kind of got me back into real estate, a different part of real estate, but also gave me the opportunity to invest on my own in real estate and kind of see the power uh, of what real estate can do to your balance sheet, uh, financial independence, all those sorts of things. And um, so I've been with the company for about four and a half years, um, but really in the last two years decided to put a big emphasis and focus on my personal investing. I owned a rental property uh, a few years ago. I sold it when I moved to Denver um, when I got back into town, I was helping a friend flip some houses, flipped a couple of houses myself, and then really thought, all right, what direction do I want to go? And so early 2020, I kind of sat down, had a couple properties and thought, all right, I'm going to make this my focus and my intention, uh, for the next couple of years. And really just kind of, kind of went all in on real estate after that. Love it. Phil, thanks for sharing. I think uh, we've talked to a lot of real estate investors and a lot of them that we've talked to have been involved in real estate in many different facets. Some of them being property managers, some of them being real estate attorneys, some of them being realtors. And a common theme that we see is a lot of these investors are who weren't previously investors say, man, I'm working in this business and then I'm watching the <laughs> owner make all this passive income. Something's working here. I got to get on the other side of it. And yep. not that you can't do both because we'll talk about this. You are doing both. You're not only yep. a property manager, but you own. So can you talk about the mindset shift that you had and like how this came to be? I, I don't know if I heard you correctly, but did you say that up, up, up till up until about three years ago or a couple years ago, you only had one rental because this gentleman here has over 135 now. So clearly you've scaled and you've scaled quickly. So what happened in your head? What, what was the mindset shift that you're like, Oh, I got to be on the investing side of this business. Yeah. So it was probably 2016. I think I, I bought my first rental property. Okay. Um, and, uh, and I sold it a couple months later. Um, I, I bought that property for, believe it or not, $3,500. It was renting, it was rented for $350. Uh, so probably the best return on investment, uh, in real estate that I've ever had, but it was in a tough part of town. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing and I was moving to Denver and I wasn't going to leave my wife with kind of the property in transition where it was like, Hey, you go collect the rent you know, down in, in this classy neighborhood, that sort of thing. And so I ended up selling that for a profit. So kind of my first flip, if you will, sold it a couple months later and, uh, kind of got my first taste of it. Got back in the golf when I came back in 2000, I guess it was late 2017, um, went to work for this, uh, investment brokerage and was an account manager helping folks, uh, invest in real estate. And then started picking up a couple of my own properties, but yeah, 20 beginning of 2020 is, is I think I may have owned somewhere around 10, uh, before I really like said, Hey, this is where I'm going all in, all the chips are in, we're going for it and, and just kind of made a run for it. 
Awesome. Incredible. Very, very, very cool. So just to give people to paint the picture a little bit for everybody, you have over 135 units. They're comprised of, um, uh, small multifamily as well as single family long-term rentals. Then you have a few short-term yep. rentals in there as well. Yep. And yep. then you Handful. also flip homes. Yep. Correct. Perfect. Um, yeah. So mostly, uh, started out with single family homes. I think the natural progression of any investor, single family homes, small multi duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes. And then, uh, in 2021, we bought a 16 unit, uh, apartment complex in North Augusta, right across the river. And then we went in on a syndication as a GP in Concord, North Carolina, that was 24 units. And then we just closed a week and a half ago on, um, of 34 units in Aiken, South Carolina, about 25 minutes away. Wow. So you're doing, you're kind of doing it all here. So this is, I'm guessing here, correct me if I'm wrong, but do essentially, will you flip homes in order to get a big lump sum of cash and then pump that into more uh, long-term rentals or potentially short trips? Exactly. Yep. So the the whole goal there is just uh, basically flipping to build capital to throw it back right into long-term rentals. Very cool. So can you give us an idea or like, let's talk the single family versus multifamily, right? Cause people are trying to add both to their portfolio and there's like a happy medium in there, but what are your thoughts pros and cons of each? Why would you go multifamily over single family and vice versa? Yeah. So I think, uh, most people get into single family kind of for it's, it's easy way to get your foot in the door. The cost of entry is a little bit lower is a lot lower. Um, you're just kind of getting your feet wet. And what happens is if you, if you're kind of going to be an investor and grow your portfolio, you get to a certain point when I hit, I, I don't know, it's probably 30, 40 properties. It, it starts to become a little bit of a headache, even with a property manager. It's like, I've got houses all over the place, a, a little bit over here, a little bit over there. And so I really wanted to kind of niche down my buy box. So really now I've, I've sold off a, a fair amount of properties to just say, I really only want to invest in these two zip codes and these like three neighborhoods. If it's here, I'll buy it. If it's not, I'll flip it. We'll wholetail it. We'll figure out some way to make money on it, uh, but I don't want to keep it in my long-term portfolio. So yeah, we'll flip um, to, to do that. So the single family at, at a certain point, it just gets bulky and clunky. I mean, there's got houses spread all over the place. Um, multifamily allows you to scale that down. And so now you have 20, 30 units in one location. The renos are all the same. So it allows us for scale, scalability in terms of where we have the same reno, the same paint color, the same, you know, sink faucet, same vanity, you name it. It's the same thing over and over and over again. So from a scalability standpoint, multifamily is much easier to kind of handle or deal with. Um, the deal size, like as you gain more capital and you're trying to allocate that capital, uh, and, and we work with a lot of institutional hedge, hedge funds, buying houses one by one is tough. I mean, it's just, if, if you want to buy 20 houses in a year, I mean, trying to find that much inventory in this market's tough versus if you need to go allocate several hundred thousand dollars and you can go put it into one property, uh, it's a lot easier to kind of focus on that. Um, I also like uh, multifamily because if you're, a, if you're an investor and somebody moves out of your single family home, you're not getting any rent that month and you still have to pay a mortgage if you're leveraging that sort of thing. And multifamily, if somebody moves out, no big deal. We still have 33 other rents to, to pay the mortgage 
to pay the taxes, insurance, et cetera. So uh, it doesn't necessarily hurt the cash flow of the property that much. Phil, I think this is important to note. Uh, you brought up a great point. If you're buying, unless you're able to do something like you're buying 30 single family homes, all in, within the same 10 mile radius, which is extremely difficult to do. You have, you have different contractors. You may potentially have different property managers. You have more people to communicate with on a daily basis in order to take care of the 30 water heat, hot water heaters, the 30 furnaces, the 30 different roofs, where a lot of the multifamily is brought under one roof. And like you said, you have the same layout, the same plan. You don't have to worry about different you know, homes being different shapes and sizes. So I love that strategy. We just oftentimes have thought kind of mentally as a young real estate investor that you have to start out with one and then you go to two and then you go to four and then you scale up to multifamily. I know a lot of real estate investors that don't do it that way. Mm. Um, can you talk a little bit about the thought of going directly to larger multifamily as a new investor? Or do you think that everyone should learn kind of the old fashioned way in order to get your feet wet? No, I mean, I, I know several folks that jumped right in. I would say smaller, smaller multi, uh, meaning like 12 unit, 10 unit. Um, so they still got some of that like multifamily aspects, uh, but it wasn't, you know, 75, hundred units, anything like that. So I, I know a lot of people that jumped right into multifamily, um, kind of got their feet wet with it. Uh, a lot of people will get in through syndications. So they'll invest as like an LP, uh, and just get a feel for cash flow, money management. They're kind of sitting on the outside, but they can understand how the renovation's working, how the property management works. Uh, but they're they're not necessarily the decision maker or kind of right in the middle of that. So I, I totally think you can jump into multifamily. Um, and there are a few avenues to do that: partnerships, uh, syndications. Uh, or just, or just taking one down on your own. Um, so it's totally doable and totally possible. I think maybe what we see is that everyone just takes that single family route. So that's just kind of the natural progression that, that everyone takes, I guess. Got it. Uh, thank you. Um, so if you could recommend, if someone came to you and asked, Hey, what do you, what's the blueprint you'd recommend for a newbie investor? Like first time, First time buyer, if you will, right? That wants to get into real estate investing. Let's just say they have 50 to 100 grand saved up and they're ready to go. Do you recommend they go, they try it out with single family or can they, do you say, hey, just go right to multifamily because I think it's going to be better down the line. What's your blueprint for success? Yeah. I, and I guess the, the number one thing I always ask folks, uh, I met with an investor this morning, uh, what are your goals? And I think you've got to start there, right? Is everyone wants to get into real estate. Everyone's got uh, liquid capital. Hey, I'm ready to buy, but it's like, well, what's, what's the, what are your goals? What are you trying to do with the property? Is it, are you trying to park money? Do you need the cash flow? Uh, I made the mistake early on where I was uh, investing in property and I had some partnerships where we weren't pulling any of the money back out, but like now I like financial independence, like I, I need cash flow, Right. So like I had all this money uh, out, but I wasn't getting anything back. And so I had to readjust my investing strategy. So I tell people, you know, you got to figure out what your goals are. It, it starts there. And if you know what you want and what you're looking for, it's, it streamlines the entire process. Uh, and so, you know, your, your goal may not be 135 properties. There's a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of headaches, a lot of stress. Um, and you may not want that. You may just want, you know, I tell people 10 paid off properties. If you had 10 investment properties making a thousand dollars a month and you paid them off, 
that's a six figure salary, right? That's $120,000 a year. And so everyone thinks you need 135. You don't, that's just my personality. You know, that's how I operate. And so, you know, scaling is, is what I want to do, but yeah, your goal may be 10 single family properties or one 10 unit multifamily and, and you're done and that's it. Um, you may invest in stocks and bonds and just trying to diversify. Uh, so, so we're just getting to, uh, what are your goals and how do we help you accomplish those goals? And that could be multifamily, short-term rentals, long-term rentals, you name it. Love it. Love it. I think it's important to note here, Phil, that we've talked about this on the previous episodes, but I wanted to bring up a scenario for people that kind of gives like a full picture of some financial security. I think if you had a portfolio, you mentioned 10 paid off, right? There's a lot of people in the real estate investing community that would say, Phil, but what about the return on investment? What about your, you're not getting that, right? But a lot of people are in this for financial security. So if you had a prop portfolio of, let's say 25 rental properties, and it is totally doable. Well, you did, you did four times that in two years. So it's clearly doable, but let's just say you gave yourself 10 years to get 25. If you had at that point after 10 years, if you had a third of them paid off, so seven of them paid off and you had a third, another third of them, seven or eight that were, you know, at 50% leverage. And then the other, the remaining at 25% leverage, you're in a pretty good spot to have your own 401k sitting there and in, in your paid off properties that bring in more cash flow, less return on investment. You can then, um, a refi. So there's just so many things you can play with. So um, I love that focus and that to tell people like you could grow like Phil does to 135 units in two years, but you also don't have to, it's all about what your goals are. So just went on a little rant there. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, so I, I see so many people, it's like the common question, right? It's like, how many doors do you have? When people ask me that's so what's it's an irrelevant uh, it's an a relevant question. Like, sure. There's some relevance to it, uh, with experience, you, you know, there's some value to it, but really like, wh what, if my, what if my revenue per door was, was less than somebody's, you know, somebody that had 10 short-term rentals or whatever the case is, is like, start to look at business metrics, right? Like when you're, whether you own one property or a hundred properties, you really have to treat it like a business. And so understanding what some of those metrics are, what your goals are, are you accomplishing your goals? I mean, I sell properties if they don't hit some of my metrics, right? Like, Hey, we bought it. We thought it was going to be good. It's not as good as we thought we're selling it. I, I don't think people realize that when you get to a certain point, you, you have to always treat it like a business because that's what it is. And so, uh, don't get so much focused on how many doors do you have? Because I think that's what everyone kind of measures their success with. But it, to me, it's irrelevant. It's like, how much money are you making? Are you accomplishing your goals? Because that's ultimately what matters. Totally. Very cool. Totally. I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, your buy box. And I just want to talk about maybe a specific niche or whether you can talk about yours or one that you would suggest for people that are, maybe they have a couple of properties They're They're trying to scale their portfolio, at least in the market that you invest in, what is the buy box and what do you tell people to look for, for good metrics for a good real estate deal? Yes. Yeah, so my buy box is, uh, I like transition areas. So I am from Augusta, grew up in Augusta, have seen a lot of the growth and what I'm looking for are fringe areas. So they're not the hot spot. They're not kind of 
the low spot, but they're right there in the middle and they're in the path of progress. And in five to 10 years, I'm going to get a ton of appreciation, the, the growth and the population growth, uh, and the pricing is just going to push out. So I'm looking for like some of the best areas in Augusta. And then I'm looking for like what's right next to them. And, and that's where I'm looking to invest because they're still affordable. Uh, they have a lot of potential upside. They're going to take, they're going to need some renovation. They're going to need good management, but I know that one, I'm going to get the cash flow, and two, in a few years, there's a high probability that I'm going to get this, this exponential appreciation, um, which is going to allow me to kind of refinance leverage and, and buy more properties. So I look for kind of fringe areas that could be C plus B minus areas, um, that are going to, you know, I can renovate them. Like I've got some properties in Augusta. Uh, I, I own some right next door to each other in, in one, it's a section eight resident. They've been there for 10 years. Um, they love living there and, and they were there when that area, you know, was, was on the low end. It's very near the university. It's very near the medical district. And so I bought some other houses, renovated them, com completely gutted them, stainless steel appliances, uh, granite countertops. And so right next door to the section eight residents are med students, dental students. Um, and so they're, you know, attending dental school, the rents nearly double uh, the section eight rent. And it's just like this huge transition area that it's starting to happen. And I can kind of see that. And so I want to buy everything in there because a lot of the sellers don't realize what they have. They're, they're kind of getting rid of their homes. Like, Hey, I don't want to own in here anymore. You know, we, we managed it when it was class C. And so they're selling their homes at a discount because they don't see the future of what that area can be. So I'm looking for kind of the opportunity in a lot of these areas of what they could be, not necessarily what I'm buying today. Great insight there. So I know you invest in, in a few different markets, but I specifically want to talk about um, Augusta, right? So it's home of the masters. And I'm wondering if the masters being there plays into your investment strategy at all. Like I'm thinking potentially, could you buy a short-term rental here? Right. Because you know, that certain days of the year, um, you're going to have this great tournament and people are going to want to come in and vacation. Right. Um, so could you talk on that and then specifically like why you love Augusta, Georgia in general as a rental market? Yeah. So the masters, uh, definitely plays into the short-term rental market, uh, to a certain extent, I think COVID, uh, has slowed it down a little bit, but prior to COVID, you know, there's an accounting principle called the, uh, I think it's called the Augusta rule or the master's rule where you can rent your property for two weeks tax-free. Uh, and that's where it came from was, was Augusta, Georgia and the masters. And so what a lot of people will do is they'll rent their personal home. So they'll rent their personal home during master's week. They'll take the family to Disney world or down to the beach and kind of skip town for that week, uh, make a bunch of money, do whatever they want with it. It'll pay for their vacation. It'll pay for the renovations on their personal home. And I think a lot of people saw that opportunity to buy short-term rentals. And so during master's week, they get a premium. And then the rest of the year, they can kind of do short-term or mid. Uh, we do a lot of uh, what I like to call midterm rentals. So this is your uh, young professional, your traveling nurse. Um, and they're in a like three to six months 
time frame that they're staying at the property. So you get this premium on rent, um, but you don't, you're not cleaning the apartment every weekend, you know, having all this constant turnover. Uh, so there's definitely a huge value in like midterm rentals with the Augusta market. And absolutely the masters, I think kind of put into perspective that one week out of the year, you get this premium. And so if I can just uh, keep it, you know, occupied 60, 70% of the time, the rest of the year, uh, the cash flow balances out very well. Love it. Love it. I think uh, just to give people an idea about Augusta, I, I don't think I would have known a, about Augusta if it wasn't for the master. So I'm, de- I'm sure it has a factor in like people visiting there. That's not a knock on Augusta at all. I mean, I'm from the Northeast, so I just wouldn't know, but right. um, I've heard great things about it as an investment, uh, you know, place to invest. Right. Did you have a specific question that you want to go into next? Um, well, I was going to transition to this later down the show, but I think it kind of fits here. I want to talk about um, your property management company and then like how being a property manager benefits your whole portfolio. So I'm just thinking of us, right? Like say, for example, we're interested in, in investing out of state, right? So let's just talk Augusta, right? It seems like a great market based on what you're saying. You have an excellent team down there. Can you talk about just how how you got involved, I guess, backspace us or backtrack us a little bit, like how you got involved with the property management company and like how that's benefited you as an investor. Um, because I believe you are the CEO of a property management company as of today, correct? Correct. Yep. Yes. So, uh, when moving, making the move back to Augusta from Denver, wanted to get back into real estate, kind of looked at all the opportunities out there, commercial, residential, uh, and really like this, uh, kind of residential investment market. We do commercial, we do multifamily, but for me, it was kind of a, a good way to get in. Uh, I, <laughs> the, the benefit of kind of my seat is that not only do I get to learn from all of my own mistakes and try to avoid as much as possible, but I've got 300 other investors that own rental property. We manage, uh, just shy of 1500 properties. Uh, and so I get to see what they're doing. I get to see the decisions they're making. I get to see what we recommend. So I may only own 135 properties, but I have data on 1500 properties. And so I can make better decisions for my portfolio based on 1500 other properties. Uh, and so that's been extremely helpful to, to kind of be able to piece a lot of that data together, not only for better decisions for myself, but better decisions for existing investors and better decisions for new investors. Um, so that's, that's been exciting to kind of, kind of see all that, see the inner workings, see the trajectory of Augusta itself, uh, where it was, where it is and kind of where it's going. And so a lot of these transition areas that I talk about, I mean, there were areas, where I've seen investors buy houses for, you know, 30, 40 K and they're worth 150 K now. And there were, you know, streets that you just stayed away from institutional hedge funds came in and started buying up 10, 20, 30 houses in the same neighborhood. And they've been able to kind of reposition neighborhoods. So now it's made for more investing opportunities throughout the city. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, there's certainly benefit of having the team, uh, we do we do sales and acquisitions, project management, and property management. Most uh, brokerages kind of do uh, they focus on sales. There's a lot of money in sales, obviously, and then uh, they may have a small property management arm. We're actually opposite. We have a huge property management arm, and sales kind of funnels uh, properties back in. So we don't do a lot of like owner occupant 
you know, Hey, this is a house I want to live in with my family. We don't do as much of that. We're strictly focused on investment properties. And, and that can mean single family, multifamily, commercial, uh, anything you can kind of make money on uh, with real estate. And then I think the big advantage we have is project management. And so it project management is a, it's a messy, messy part of the business, but it's a part that no, not many people want to be in because you're dealing with contractors. There's heavy volume. There's a lot of turnover. And we've been able to kind of build relationships with a lot of vendors and contractors. Um, we kind of treat them as, as partners, of part of the company, you know, they're an extension of us. And so for out-of-state investors, you have the uh, luxury of kind of sales, project management, and property management uh, all in one. So we're turnkey service. We, we don't necessarily sell turnkey properties, but we have all the turnkey services. I think what also stands out with that is if you go to a turnkey provider that sells turnkey properties, they're selling you the property at kind of a premium. It's still a good deal. Uh, I, I recommend turnkey properties to a lot of people. Um, it's still a really good deal, but they're, that's kind of how they make their money is they buy it low, they renovate it, and they kind of flip it to uh, the end investor. With us, we're all service uh, fee-based. So we make a commission on the sell, we make a project management fee, and then we make a property management fee. So there's potential for you as the investor to capitalize on the equity. So if you find a great deal in Augusta, you take it down, you keep the equity and you can burr properties, buy more properties. Uh, so for us, it's kind of a long-term relationship partnership where the more you succeed, the more we succeed. Love it. Phil, this is a great topic of conversation because um, you're talking to two guys who just did a, a rehab themselves, a single family rehab. And I can tell you, I never want to do that by myself again, <laughs> ever. Uh, it was 1000% uh, worth it. Yeah. But we had some summer months where we we're looking at each other, like, what are we doing? And yeah. we had some great, we had some great contractors and we still, we have great relationships, but we were doing some of the work ourselves and would rather not do that. So yeah. I, just to parlay that into the, the next topic about the property management um, is I, what I've heard, uh, we don't have a property manager currently. We're actually in the market for one up here mm -hmm. with some of our properties, but we've talked about our next investment being uh, kind of taken over by a property manager. So we can do what we do best. And that is create relationships, create connections, network, all of the above to help us scale our portfolio, not dealing with the tenants, right? So yep. I've heard that there are kind of a number of ways to go when you're choosing a property manager. And I know that you have about 1500 units. So there's a, there's a small property management um, uh, size. I actually don't know what the sizes are, like how you would break them up and maybe you can enlighten me. But like if you have a small property manager, maybe has 50 units and you have 10 or 12 with them, you're a big part of their portfolio, yep. uh, but they may not have all the systems down in, a, in, in, a, in order to, properly managed. If you go on the opposite end where somebody has thousands and thousands of thousands of units, you might just be a number in their system and they might not be taking great care of your property. It sounds to me like you're kind of in that middle ground and correct me if I'm wrong, but is that what you base your property management portfolio after? And like, how do you manage having, you know, 1500 units? Because I'll tell you one thing, I don't think property managers would I want to phrase this the right way. It's, it's difficult for them to look at a property like the owner of the property looks at it, right? Right. So I think that's what's beneficial, uh, certainly. So you want to screen the property management company that 
that you're going to turn your properties over to. There are property management companies whose client is the accidental landlord. We have a lot of military in Augusta. They buy a house, they live here three years, they're moving. They want to move back in, you know, three, four five years. And they want to live in that same house and they're emotional. They're tied to that house. Uh, it's their personal home. And so there's a, there's a property manager that specializes in kind of the accidental landlord. We're an investment focused, uh, property management, right? So there's no emotion. Um, if the HVAC goes out, Hey, the HVAC goes out, it happens. You've got money set aside. It's, it's not like, well, you know, the accidental landlord, the HVAC goes out. They weren't expecting it. They weren't putting money aside for CapEx. They've got to use a credit card to, to kind of buy it. It's, it's a whole different type. So we're, we're screening, uh, the prospective investor, the same way they're screening us. We want to make sure it's a good fit. Uh, you're exactly right. So there are different size property management companies. You've got like the agent that, uh, is kind of expanding. And so, you know, Ryan and Corey want to buy a property. They buy a couple of, of investment properties and they say, Hey, you know, Mr. Or Miss agent, why don't you just manage it for us? Right. So you're exactly right. They can manage it. They handle all the calls They're handling maintenance resident calls. You guys are calling. Um, and so they're kind of handling everything and it's, they get bombarded. Um, they like the income, uh, to help out when sales are kind of slow and so it's good, but they don't necessarily have the systems, the technology, the operations aren't as built out. You have kind of the mid size. So you know, you get into a property management company. It could be anything from a couple hundred properties to like five, six, 700 properties uh, where they have teams, they have, uh, you know, structure operations, procedures, processes. And so things are going pretty well. And you feel, like you said, you feel like you're a, a huge part of that because whether it's one property or 10, you're, you're a significant piece of that business, right? right? Our goal was to kind of, as we scaled, we got the same questions. Well, I'm just another, I'm just another number. Uh, well, that's our goal is to treat whether you have one property or a hundred properties, they all run based off the processes and procedures. So if we're heavily system-based, every property goes through the same processes and procedures, uh, whether you have one or a hundred. So it doesn't matter, right? Like we're not, uh, you know, I like Ryan, but I don't like Corey. So I'm going to treat the property this way and not that way. Right. It's, yep. it's not any of that. What we, and a lot of that is based on the structure. So you get departmental based property management companies, you get uh, portfolio based property management companies, and we're kind of a hybrid of the two. So we have an investor account manager that is looking out for, for you guys, right? So they're there to build the relationship with you, Ryan and Corey, uh, to ensure that you're comfortable, all your questions are answered, you feel good about the process. Uh, and so it's, it's just somebody dedicated to you guys to ensure that everything's going smooth. Um, we have a pod based system. So we have an investor account manager that looks after you guys. We have a resident experience manager. We call them residents, not tenants. We want them to feel at home. We want them to feel appreciated. We want them to stay as long as they possibly want uh, can, uh, because if they stay, there's this huge return on investment, less vacancy, less turns. We understand that. So we have a representative, the resident experience manager that looks after the resident. Hey, is everything going well? You know, do you want to renew your lease? Are there any maintenance, uh, 
any maintenance requests we can help out with. So we're trying to be as proactive as possible every step of the way, right? Because if we fix maintenance requests, they don't have any issues. We're also protecting you as the investor because we're protecting your asset. So, you know, everyone kind of looks at that as like, ah, here's my property manager calling again. Yeah. What, what happened this time? Right. We don't, we don't want that. When we call you, Hey Ryan, Hey Corey, uh, we just wanted to call to let you know, we got a $75 rental increase and your resident just signed uh, another one year renewal. Right. So we want to deliver just as much good news as sometimes we have to deliver bad news. Um, the rest of the parts of the team are a maintenance coordinator and a project manager. And so now we're looking after the asset. So we have someone looking after you guys, someone looking after the resident and someone looking after the assets. So we're covered on all aspects and it's just kind of this cohesive unit. Um, so we're structured heavily towards investors. It doesn't work for the accidental landlord or, um, somebody without that mindset. If you have one property, we're, we're cool with that. Just so long as you know that you're investing and not, uh, we call it gambling. So like, are you an investor or are you a gambler? Like, are you going to proactively fix things or are you just going to kind of roll the dice and hope that roof lasts, you know, one more rainstorm or hope that HVAC gets through like one more summer? Um, that that's not really the client for us. I don't know if you can see Corey's face or that toothy smile he has over there because yeah, all of these things that you are saying are things he hates doing. We, Listen to me, Ryan. Listen to me. <laughs> Listen to me. This is funny because we're going to be able to point back to this episode. We're literally interviewing a property manager for you. We're giving you all the tools and all the answers that you need to ask somebody. Ben Rye is correct. I'm smiling ear to ear because I know what I'm good at and it is not dealing with tenants and whether or not we should fix the, this and that. And yeah, so you, you get the whole it, point. But well, here's the thing. Uh, Real, sorry, Phil, I don't want to cut you off because I want to dive in. It's probably it. going to be the same topic, but it's not only dealing with tenants and then like managing the property if things go wrong. I think about the bills that come through and like in keeping up with the yearly, I forget what it's called, but like um, there, there's some sort of like yearly check-ins you do with each property and, and, if you don't remember to do that or have systems built out in your own, on your own business, like Corey and I, if we don't have a specific checklist that we go through, things could slip easily. And right. if you hire a property manager, I personally think if you hire the right one, it's well worth that eight to 10% because half the time, I think a lot of mom and pop landlords don't have these processes and procedures down, down pat. And they're, they're probably losing out when things shit the bed anyways. But yeah. Phil, can, can you talk to that? Sorry. I, I might've cut you off on yeah, processes no, no. And procedures. No, you're, you're all good. So property managers get a bad rap. I mean, we're the bad guys in real estate, right? It's like, I've, you know, they charge eight to 10%. We just give them, we just pay them 10% to collect rent checks. Like I can do that. It, I wish it was that easy, right? It, we wouldn't have the business we have if it was that easy. A lot of people want to invest in real estate, but they want to be passive in real estate and, and real estate is not a passive vehicle. It's not a stock. It's not a, a you know, a security or anything like that. Uh, now, uh, syndication can be that, but somebody still has to manage the property. That's where the, the other thing is there really aren't a lot of good property managers, property managers out there. A lot of them get into property management by mistake. It's just kind of by default. We were intentional about what we wanted to do and, and that we wanted to be the best in it. And I think so many people go, well, no one's going to treat the property 
as 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 good as I am because I own the property. I invest. Uh, you know, this is my life savings. I invested in this property, and so no one's going to be as good at it as I am. Okay, Ryan and Corey, how many times have you leased up a property? A couple times. You've- yeah. Yeah. yeah and, four and, times. And, <laughs> four and Phil, times. I had, right. I had an hour and a half conversation about a water leak today that took me <laughs> time away, literally today that took time away from doing what I really want to do. So it's, right. it's like, and you're right. The experience, I'll let you go. I'll let you continue. Yeah. That's yeah no, no, no. It's so like most investors, they own a handful of properties. They, they lease them up once a year. Maybe they do a couple lease ups a year. Okay. So we lease up out of 1500. If, let's just say we lease up three, 400 properties a year, right? Out of all of those properties, we're screening, uh, five applicants. You know, it takes three to four applications to finally get the right applicant. So we're screening, let's just say five times 300, 1500 applications on a yearly basis. It's, it's that repetition I was talking about. So, our team has done that so many times to know what to filter out, what to look for. Um, so many investors I hear like, uh, well, you know, um, they, they got a good job and, and they, you know, they're appearing, they dress nice and, you know, they came to see my property and this and that. And it's like, none of that matters. Right. Like I have the data that says at this credit score, uh, evictions just go up. And so our minimum credit score is X because that's what the data shows is where the evictions, um, stabilize. And so we're, we're so heavily data driven. We take the emotion out of it and we can make better decisions just based on volume and repetition. Uh, and that's with every process, every step of the way, right? So you have a maintenance, uh, you have a maintenance item or request, uh, come in on a Friday, right? Uh, this is, I remember I tried self-managing a couple of my properties early on and it was like, I got uh, the refrigerator goes out on a Saturday. And so here I am going to Lowe's, I'm picking up a fridge, I'm dropping it off. Um, I've got to move the old one out and I've wasted an entire Saturday. Well, if the property management company has that, but I mean, we know that, right? We know that refrigerators and HVACs go out on the weekend. So we have, negotiation, we, we have negotiated pricing with HVAC vendors to say, Hey, you get 1500 properties that you do HVAC work on. Don't bill us nightly and hourly rates. Right. We, we, so we get better deals. We have 10 refrigerators and storage because when something goes out on a Friday and Lowe's doesn't have it, then you have an unhappy resident, right? So just go pull one out of storage. It's a brand new fridge that we keep in stock and just go swap it out real quick. And that's a, that's an outside vendor, right? So it's just like all of those things in place that we're trying to be proactive and prevent the call or, or be preventative. Um, and it keeps everyone happy, right? You don't want that call on a weekend, no, even don't. as, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, not to cut I, you off. I'm just saying we're excited yeah. about this and it's, we're the prime, um, I don't know what you want to call us like test subjects here because yeah. we've been teetering back and forth this whole year as well last year, I guess, um, of hiring a property manager or not. And there's little things that we just maintenance wise, we get calls on. Right. And that frustrates us, but that's like only one sliver of the business. So just for people that aren't, um, they, maybe they aren't real estate investors yet, right? Or they aren't self-managing and they don't understand the ins and outs of everything. Can you just give us at a very high level, like all the things a property manager takes care of for a 
I know it's, I know there's a ton. I know you basically have two and a half hours, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) but just, just like quick bullets so that it's like, it's the, I don't think, like you said, you got a bad rap and there truly is so many things you guys cover that is not just maintenance or the BS calls that no one wants to take. Yeah, it's, it's, um, you, you were on the phone, Corey, you said for an hour and a half on a water lake, right? I'll give you, let me just give you the, the background actually on what happened. So what I kind of misspoke, it wasn't a water leak, but we had a, um, uh, a clog. Okay. So I thought it was a plumbing situation inside the house. So I, th- that's what I thought it was at first. I had to call the plumber. The plumber's like, Oh no, it's actually at the street level. Great. Call the, this is on a Sunday, by the way, this was yesterday, not today. And then I had to call the township on their emergency line, right? Because they're not working on the weekend to say, Hey, I got a clog right at your street level. It's actually not the responsibility of the home owner. It's your responsibility. They came out, they couldn't figure it out for an hour. So that's the whole, th- yeah, exactly. That was the whole thing that I was had to deal with. Right. Yeah. So, so all that becomes our problem. Right. And, and that's what we get paid to do is to solve problems. So we have to figure out that it's the city. Well, you probably had to go online, Google what number to call the city. You had to wait on hold. Well, we already have the city's phone number in our database. And Oh, by the way, this has happened a hundred times before in our business. So we know to call, you know, I don't know, Cindy at the water department, because we can get directly to Cindy, who's going to help us solve the problem. And she's going to call, you know, her guy out in the field to just run by and check it real quick while the plumber's on site so we can get it solved. So we bypassed all of those steps you had to take once again, because we've done it so many times, right? We've had the water heater leaks, the the condenser in, in the attic leaks and in the hole comes through the roof. I mean, it's real, it's real estate guys. Like it's happened every house burns down. We had a house burn down on Thanksgiving uh, because somebody was cooking in the oven and caught on fire and burned the house down. Right. we call the insurance company. We handle all that for you. You don't have to deal with any of that. A month later, you get a check. We start working on your property, get it renovated uh, to get it back online. Right. So the property manager fits into depending on who your property manager is, but they fit into all those kind of nicks and crannies of things that you, you we're kind of there when things go bad, I guess when things go good. Yeah, sure. Anybody can manage a property, but it's, it's real estate. It's property management. I mean, something is going to go bad at some point and you want the, the team on your side. That's kind of been through that, that knows how to handle it. That's improved the processes over time to, to be efficient with all of that. Absolutely. So one thing on that too, is I, I truly, it's, it's such a minute, small thing, but getting a a bill to pay the sewer, like a sewer bill that goes to my primary residence for my rental property. It just pisses me off a little bit. I don't know why, like, dude, I like, I stamp it paid. Like it's super old school. Sometimes the, the department, they won't let you pay online. You have to call it in. Just you guys take care of all that. Am I correct? Take care of everything. Yep. The, the only thing we don't take care of and we've tried our, our mortgages and uh, property taxes and insurance, just because there's, there's too much liability there. Uh, totally. If we, if we miss a payment, but yeah, utility bills, it's funny. We charge a, uh, I'll tell you, we charge a 10% um, markup on utility charges, right? So you get a $50 water bill. We charge five bucks to pay it for you. And some owners complain about that. We go, that's fine. You handle your utilities. And within like two months, they're like, Hey, can you, can you handle utilities for that five bucks? It's like not even worth 
you know, the time it's like one time you're on hold and that five bucks, like I won't rent a movie this month or so, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, come on, man, that it's, done. Yeah. It's <laughs> so it, you get kind of the penny pinchers in there. Um, it, the, you know, this reminds me going back to something you had asked earlier, eight, the eight to 10% and that sort of thing. Our biggest, my, anytime I'm pitching an owner, my biggest sales kind of pitch is that eight to 10%. If you give us your property and if you have a portfolio, give us one, I bet you're under renting your property, right? You've rented it. Um, you haven't kept up with market rate rents and I bet you're under renting it so much that we can rent it out for you. Um, you can pay eight to 10% and I bet you still come out ahead making more money. Um, and it, it's amazing how many people don't believe that and they're not keeping up with market risks. They just, they, they almost get to this point of, I don't want to deal with this property anymore that I just, I want the tenant or the resident to stay in there. I don't want to do a turn. I hate dealing with contractors. And so I'm not going to raise the rent in, in five, 10 years later, they haven't raised the rent and the, the, yeah, you know, it's the market an, rates are so point. low. Totally. And, and I also think of like, think about the amount of times you, uh, mom and pop landowner, landlord, don't go into a property, right? You guys at least will go in. I, the fact that you have the, the arm or the branch that you mentioned, um, on the project management side gets me excited because you go in there and you say, Hey, listen, this thing's a little bit outdated. We need to slap the gray paint on the walls or, or paint up the trim a little bit. Maybe it needs a new fixture. Those little things, that's something that we don't have to worry about and like pre-plan, right? It's kind of, you'll come to us. It just seems like a, an all encompassing shop here that you have where personally, I, if I'm going to pay eight to 10%, I know I'm taking a hit, but I know things are done the right way, which is comforting. Right. And also my time is freed up. I can make that eight to 10% doing something else. And, yep. uh, you know, maybe it's finding another incredible deal, right? Which I wouldn't have the time because I'm dealing with all this BS or I'm maybe I'm in, a sales job. Right. And I have more time to go sell something else. So there's just a lot of things that are going through my head where, um, you know, if you can find the right property management company to do it, you're in great hands. And that that's brings key, me yep. right. That that's the hardest part. Right. So that brings me to my next point is just like, can you give us some tips and tricks to, to help people find a good property manager? Maybe they're not in the Augusta, Georgia market. They can't use you. And they're like, Hey, like, how do we find a great company that we could use and we trust? Yep. So you got to interview and, you know, so many people, uh, they kind of, you know, they screen an agent, right. They, they're calling, you know, 10 agents and they're trying to find the best one. That's going to find them a deal. Um, contractors, you know, they're calling multiple contractors, uh, and then property managers. It's easy, right? Everyone can do it. So they just, I'm going to go with the first one because I don't, I don't know what to ask. I don't, I don't want to sound like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So they just kind of go with somebody interview every property management company in town. I think a lot of people like the smaller agent style property manager. Uh, and there's no knock to them. I know some great ones, um, screen them out. How much of their, how much of that is their business? How dedicated are they to the property management side? Uh, but don't be afraid to go with a larger management company because they have a thousand, 1500, 5,000 properties there. There's a reason they grew to that size. They have systems, processes, referrals, people like them. They kept buying properties, not always saying that the biggest is the best, but you know, screen them out. Um, look for someone that is a member of NARPM 
NARPM. It's the National Associations of Residential Property Managers. Um, that's somebody who's focused kind of on doing the right things in their business. Um, there's, there's a lot of ethics and, and, you know, technology and, and kind of modernization, I guess, if, of property management, if you will. Uh, and so that's a, a property manager that's kind of keeping up with the industry, trying to put best practices out there. Uh, look at how the property manager sets up their fee structure and how they're incentivized. So for instance, our fee structure, we only get paid when you guys get paid. We get a renewal fee, a lease-up fee. We, we get that to, as an incentive to get people in your properties, right? Uh, I've got a friend um, who she was on your podcast, actually, in uh, her property manager, she was asking me uh, some questions recently. And she said, well, our property manager gets paid the management fee, 8 to 10%, whether somebody's in the property or not in the property. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense at all, right? How, why, how are they incentivized to rent your property? Their, their days on market is like 70 something days. Our average days on market is less than 10 or less than 14 right now. We're renting properties quickly because we want to get paid. We don't get paid if the property is vacant. So uh, I would look at the fee structure and just see how the property manager is incentivized because if it's lopsided, well, that's no benefit to you. I want somebody who's kind of in it with me. Um, you know, uh, we look at it as, as a partnership and relational. Uh, it's not a transactional business for us. We want to see you succeed. The more money you make, the more houses you can buy, who are you going to bring them back to? You're going to bring them right back to, to us. Right. So we're in it for the long-term partnership, not a transactional value. Um, and so, I mean, sure there are questions, um, you can ask, but I think it's more of, of interviewing to kind of see, um, are you getting that feel? Are you getting that relational feel? Are you getting that like you're in it for me type feel? Um, you know, what's maintenance like, because that's got an effect on your ROI. It's got an effect on, uh, your asset, which is, you know, what you've invested in. So many people overlook that they're looking at tenants and how do you treat me? But Hey, <laughs> you just spent 20, $30,000 on this house that you're invested in. That's, that's really what matters, right? So how are we taking care of, of the asset? What does maintenance look like? What does project management look like? Um, those sorts, you know, those sorts of things. Got it. Great. Well, we unintentionally just created an ad during this episode for hiring a property manager, uh, <laughs> which is awesome, right? Awesome for you. Awesome for people that are in that boat like we are, that we're we're self-managing right now. And what we realized with self-managing is that Ryan and I, we joke a lot of time, but we actually do have some pretty good systems that are built out from a self-managing standpoint at a small portfolio where we don't have to be the ones showing up to the property a lot. A lot. Um, I want to talk about maybe your systems and your team that you use from an investing side. It sounds like the property manager or the management arm here maybe makes up a big piece of that pie of your team. But I'm curious, like, what are some of the systems and processes that you use to, to run your real estate investing side of the business? Yeah. So, so starting on the team, one thing I tell people, uh, all the time is when you're looking into a market and it doesn't have to be a, in Augusta, right? It can be anywhere in the country. So many people are focused on what market to invest in and they're looking at population growth. They're looking at job growth. I always say, start with the team. 
if somebody can refer me a team, that team can make me successful. Right. But if you buy, uh, a, if you buy a right in a market, but you don't have the right team in place, the right contractor, the right agent, the pro- property manager, whatever, you can still lose money on that deal. And so me, I put the team before the market. And, and so when you ask on the team, I mean, that's your agent, your, your, your property manager, um, your contractor, I'm, I'm extending it to your attorney, your uh, CPA or your accountant, your insurance person. I mean, all those people make up your team and they're looking out for you to, um, to, to succeed. Right. So put that team together. And if somebody can give me that team and, New Jersey or Philadelphia, where you guys are, then, then great. Let's invest, right? If they're a referral, if they're vetted, I mean, there's hours saved by me trying to call and interview all these people. Um, the market, you can make money in any market, but you can't make money with every team. And so um, I'm going to butcher this, but I always say um, a, um, a good team can overcome a bad market, but a great market still can't overcome a bad team, if that makes sense. Um, so that's team, team first, uh, as far as systems, processes, procedures, uh, you know, you're the agent, the relationship I have with my agent, um, laying out kind of expectations, uh, what I'm looking for. Uh, I only want them to send me properties that, Hey, this is my buy box. I don't have time for you to send me 50 properties. And then I've got to filter through what I want and what I don't want. This is what I'm looking for. Send me the five out of those 50 properties that I might actually make an offer on and let's offer on those. And that saves a ton of time. And I'm not getting, you know, the same 50 properties from five different agents. They're just sending me, Hey, this is your buy box. I know you well enough. And so build that relationship late. Don't be afraid to lay out those expectations. Um, the same thing with the contractor. Hey, this is how we operate. I mean, this is, this is what our draw schedule is. This is how we, um, this is how we pay out. This is the expectation of what I'm looking for. So a lot of people think I'm crazy, uh, but I used to meet with contractors and say, meet me at 12 o'clock at one, two, three main street. And if they showed up at 12 o'clock, we'd get a quote. If they showed up at 1205, we'd say, Hey, don't worry about it. Like, don't bother getting out. It's, it's just not going to work. Like that's not going to work for us. The expectation is I need you to be here. I need you to be here on time. You know, I need you to do what you say you're going to do. Um, and, and don't be afraid to, to kind of lay those expectations, uh, property manager, you know, give me the information I need. I trust you to make the, uh, decisions. Uh, if I don't, you know, here's my maintenance limit. If the HVAC is over 15 years old, and it's going to cost 600 to replace the part. Like, let's just replace the HVAC, right? Here's some parameters in place where, you know, I, I want this to be as passive as it can be. I want this to be um, less stress and, and less headaches on me. And so processes and procedures, um, not as a property manager, but just from an investor are, are key. I mean, I've got a checklist on, um, I've got a checklist when I go to closing, you know, I forgot to get insurance on a house one time and uh, we had a storm coming in and, you know, I closed on the property and then, you know, I called my insurance agent and said, Hey, we closed on this property today. I totally forgot to get insurance beforehand. We, we bought it cash with a private lender. 
can we get insurance? Well, there was a storm coming off the coast of uh, South Carolina. And he said, well, we can get insurance, but you have to wait a week because the insurance company has put a hold on all, uh, all new policies for a week. And so for a week, I'm like on pins and needles, storm rolls. Say, you were, you had to have been praying to, <laughs> to make sure that every that, God, whatever, every that. single God that there is. I, I was riding by that house every single day, like tree, just don't fall on this house. Don't fall on this house. We made it through, but I went into my processes and procedures and it was like double check, you know, this is like one of the first steps now is like, do we have insurance? What's crazy is I went to my insurance agent and it's like, Hey man, I never think about you when I'm, I'm so excited to get a property under contract and close on it. Like I'm not thinking about you. And so we, he sets me up with a commercial policy where I now am covered for 30 days after I close on a property, no matter what. So I, once a month, I send him a, a list of properties I've closed or sold in that month. And he just updates it. So like, that's part of that team process of procedures. It's like, Hey, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm not good at. How can you help me finagle this? And this he knows guy, those. this guy must be your best friend now, man. I mean, like send, <laughs> just sending him the properties. Once you close the thing about insurance is like, I never, I mean, like, it's such a, it's just such a pain in the ass because you're like, Oh, is this covered? And you're like, yeah, it is covered, except not this time because of this stipulation. You're like, what the hell am I even paying for? Or I'm sure. You, I'm sure. If it has knob and tube, dude, that's what you get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, that, there's some old houses right there if you've got knob and tube. Yeah, exactly. We did a not what 1900 renovation. It was an old, old house and it had remnants of, of knob and tube in it. We had to we had to navigate the insurance. Uh, yep. It was interesting, but you know, that was our first flip. If you, well, I guess it was, I guess it was a flip, but we kept it. So yep. um, I don't know, very fun project, but we learned a lot. And, and I have now even more admiration for what you guys do because you've, you've seen it all right. And, and you have to manage it on a daily day basis. And if you're not, if you don't have your checklists, your checklists, your systems and, and your processes in place, it's not going to work. And I'm a very type A person and Corey is too. So it's comforting to, to talk to someone like you, right? Like you, you would be someone that I would want to manage my properties hundred percent, just because based on our interview that we just had. Right. And, but I like, I, now I understand the way you think too, right. And the way you care yep. for the properties and, and also the type A in you that has the list, has the checklist, has the procedures that you're like, I'm double checking everything before I go into it. So that's comforting. Um, to say the least. So also really quick, random one. You keep mentioning the buy box. Did you read one rental at a time by Michael Zuber? That's I have, like, I have not, I have not, but I'll definitely put it on the list. Cool. He, um, that's what he, he mentions the buy box a lot. And so, and he, he doesn't waver from it. Like, like he sticks to his numbers and, um, not emotional with his buys. So I just thought that was really cool. Like you both are very successful and you, you stick to the buy box, which I like. Yeah. Total side. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's important. I think so many people get analysis paralysis, right? We, we don't really analyze too many properties. Like if it, if it's in this neighborhood, in this zip code, in this transition area, and it meets X, X and X, we buy it. If it doesn't, we don't buy it. Or, you know, if, if we can flip it or we can wholesale it, or we can make money on it, sure. We'll buy it and make money that way, but we don't hold on to it. And part of that's, you know, uh, I, I, properties all over Augusta. And, you know, I got tired of driving it all around town, uh, trying to, trying to work on them or trying to figure out what was going on with them. And now I can, you know, if I wanted to, I can hop in the truck on Saturday morning and I could probably get to all of my properties with 
I don't know, probably within an hour, including the ones in Aiken. Like I could drive by all of 135 in, in that time frame. Super cool. I, um, side note, I heard you say hop in the truck, uh, funny one for you. <laughs> Corey and I got, we had just finished our like second, uh, investment deal together. And I was like, dude, are we getting trucks? And he's like, <laughs> Why, why would we get trucks, you idiot? I'm like, we're investors now, dude. I don't know. I feel like we need a bed or something. Toss, toss some tools in it. He's like, no, dude, we're not doing that shit. We're hiding it. We're hiring that to outside to other people. I'm like, oh, okay, got it, got it. So, <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. You uh, we we don't need to be the truck guys. We'll let uh, we'll let Phil be the truck guy. Yeah, no, I've got one. I had an SUV. I had a truck. I uh, sold it. Was driving my wife's uh, SUV when she got a new car, and and it, it didn't work out. I was like, I've got to get a truck again, but now I've subbed a lot of that stuff out. And so I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm the guy that pulls into Lowe's and like, you know, parks in the contractor pro parking. but like, I just, I put a couple pieces of, you know, wood in the back and yeah, everyone's laughing at me, but we, I used to, I did a lot of construction in college. I know the construction side of the business very well. Um, but yeah, now that's, that's not the best use of my time. That's not what I should be doing, but I, it's so hard for me to kind of get out of that sometimes where like, I, I enjoy the Lowe's run. I enjoy, uh, doing some of that, but, uh, nah, yeah. I just, it's my brother and dad are in construction. They both have trucks and I'm just like, dude, maybe, maybe, I'm, a truck, maybe I'm a truck guy now, as much as I, I know I'm not, I was trying to, I was trying to sneak in there, but I'm not tax, wanted. That's right off. It's you, you, tax write off. You got, you got to have a truck. You got to buy a truck. It's got, it's the weight of the vehicle, right? Something That's like right. That. There yep. you go. Uh, court, we might go the, um, the G wagon route. Same, same, uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm just, yeah, I like it. that's how you know, like our, yeah, we're a little bit outside the box here, but, um, I do want to transition. We are winding down the show. It's been amazing so far. So thanks for everything. But, um, this one is, is very cool one because I touched on in the beginning of the show. I want to, I want to dive into masterminds a little bit and just get your thoughts there. So, um, the reason I'm asking it is because I know a couple of your, your, I guess, partners now, right. Came from a mastermind group. Um, a few of our previous guests are in that mastermind. We all came, became connected, but, um, can you just give us your thoughts on joining a mastermind group? How does that benefit benefit an investor? And would you recommend that uh, like new investors get involved right away in one of these or, or wait for maybe a couple of properties in? Uh, you know, I, I think jump, jump right in. Um, there's so many, this kind of seems to be the hot thing right now. Um, masterminds, there's a lot of them coming out, a lot of different investment groups. I like them. Um, I'm for them. I would not be where I am today without it. Uh, you know, I was an investor. I had, uh, you know, a, a good amount of properties. People would look at me and like, wow, that's a lot of properties. Like you're doing well. I would not have, uh, I would still be on that path of, you know, uh, my, my goal was, uh, 50 in the first five years. So 10 a year, I would still be on that path, uh, had it not been for the mastermind. And, and a lot of that was the accountability. Uh, I was looking for the accountability of, I'm going to commit to it. Uh, I think with all masterminds, with all things, you get out what you put in. Right. And so, Hey, if I'm going to, if I'm going to join, if I'm going to pay for it, I'm going to commit to it. And I was on the zoom call every Monday and every Wednesday. I don't think I missed a zoom call for uh, over the first year that I was, that I was in the mastermind. And, uh, what do you want? I want accountability. I would get texts, you know, from our mentors, like, Hey, what did you do today? that moved you forward in your investment business. Okay. Well, I'm, well, I don't want to say, well, nothing, or I haven't done that yet. So it was like every day, like, this is my focus. I'm going to, 
make one, you know, small steps, atomic habits. I don't know if you guys read the book, but, um, I'm reading it now. So every day I'm just going to make small progress and it's going to kind of snowball into something bigger. Uh, the other thing I think is if you get into the right mastermind, um, everything is there. So like, if you want to invest in short-term rentals, I can connect you with this person. If it's long-term rentals, I can connect you over here. If it's syndications, uh, you know, you need a property manager, whatever it is you need. Um, you know, do you want to invest in the Southeast, the Midwest, up North, uh, Texas, there's somebody to talk to that kind of has that team and has that uh, ability to connect you. So there's something I called network smarter. Um, one of my goals this year was, was to network harder. Uh, a good friend of mine said, Hey, you should network smarter. Right. So not necessarily um, like don't talk to everybody just trying to network, like talk to, Ryan and Corey and be intentional about, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Do you have anybody you can connect me with? And then they connect you with the next dot, the next dot. And so rather than me going to Rhea and try to connect with 50 people and, and pull one thing out of that, it's just like, Hey, I need to talk to you. And, and Ryan and Corey sent me to talk to you because this is what I'm looking to do. And they said that you could help me with the next step. Right. So yep. I think masterminds allow for, for networking smarter. Um, private money, lending, wholesale, you know, you name it, um, depending on the mastermind, it's all there. If you want to go into commercial, go to a commercial mastermind. If you want to do short-term rental, go to a short-term rental mastermind. If you need accountability, if you need, you know, whatever life coaching, you name it, it's there. And so I think for a lot of new investors, just getting in, I think it's fantastic because it helps them focus. They're kind of everywhere deer and headlights. Um, and it allows them to kind of get centered, kind of get grounded. And really, if you, <laughs> if you want to invest in real estate and you join a mastermind, there's no excuse not to buy a property. Right. So like yep. if, if you, we get people, they, they reach out to me. It's like, Hey, we have the team. We can, we can give you everything you need. Here's the property you should buy. If you don't buy it, then I know you're not serious about investing in real estate, right? Because it's, it's all right there for you. And so you can kind of see who's serious about it and, and who's not so serious about it. And that's okay. Maybe they're serious, but they're not ready, whatever the case is. But, um, I, I value it and I highly recommend it. And for me, uh, I'm still in the mastermind I started with, but I'm also looking at kind of the next level, uh, of masterminding and, and kind of getting into the next room. Love that. Um, I mean, that's music to my ears. If you're saying, here's a team, here's a property, I'm literally telling you to do it. It's like, show me the money. Coming from people, the guys that have had to outsource, do the work ourselves, study, read the books, and like, t it takes time, right? If, yeah. So if you, can, if you can be efficient with your time, cut through the fat and go right to the source, it's amazing. And that, that, that's what we're looking for, right? It almost, yep. It's like a cheat code, but in, it's not because it's a relationship business, right? And yep. it's your, you're connecting the dots. Exactly what you said, right? It takes a while to find the right dot to the, the end dot, whatever you want to call it. But yep. um, it's very important. And I think, I think that's something that uh, we are going to be looking into as well, because uh, we are not currently part of a mastermind. We so part of a real estate, local real estate meetup. It's cool. It's great. Right. But it's, it's not a mastermind of like holding that accountability, right? That's the accountability yeah. buddies and accountability partners that I think are so important. No one wants to show up, not have anything to talk about. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, so, and that it's cool because you, what in the last year scaled your 
portfolio, another 56 units. Right. And you had that goal in 10 years, I think, and you said in the beginning, which is right. insane. So congratulations to you. Um, incredible story. And I mean, Corey and I are just to, to say inspired is, uh, an understatement. So yeah, it's been incredible. Sure. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's, it's, you know, it's inspiring to see everyone else kind of doing big things. And, um, it doesn't, once again, it's not the volume, it's, it's just the taking action part, right? There's a lot of people that just taking action, um, that that's the exciting thing. And so I enjoy, yeah, I enjoy networking with, I'll talk to anyone, but, uh, just someone that kind of overcame that fear, took action, took the next step, whether it's one or a hundred. Um, yeah, there's, there's something to talk about there. And that's always exciting. Love it. Love it. So we've made to the uh, second to last segment of our show. It's called the core four. We didn't tell you any of these questions. So it'll be a little bit of a rapid fire here for you. Uh, Let's go for it. Yeah. First question is what's your favorite business or real estate investing book that you would recommend to others? Favorite book. Um, I'm, I'm going to cheat and say uh, one of my goals this year is 52 books, 12 audio books. I've enjoyed, I love reading. Uh, I enjoy reading. And so I'm going to spin it and say, I haven't read my favorite yet because I enjoy learning. So I'm a lifelong learner and love it. I, I don't want to have a favorite yet. I want to keep, I want to keep going. I want to keep uh, striving. I've got a, a collection of books. I'm happy to, to share, but um, I, I'm going to flip it and say, haven't found that book yet. If you cool. had to recommend one for a beginning and beginner investor, rookie investor, right. That you're like, Hey, they can take this and after reading it, they'll be able to take action and start their journey. What would that book be? I would say, so don't, don't read the investing books. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to go, dude, what are you talking about? read the vivid visions, the atomic habits to start with wise, like figure out what it is you want to do. What is real estate going to do for you? And how do you like atomic habits? How do you take action on the next step? Right. Investing is that's easy. A mastermind can, can teach you that a book can teach you that, um, you know, rich dad, poor dad. I think it, it's, it inspires a lot of people to get into real estate, but they still kind of get, um, hung up. So I think all of those, um, you know, business minded to start with wise, the, the leadership style books, they kind of drive people to take that action and, you know, miracle morning. Uh, those are the things that I tell people like do what's going to get you to take action. Yeah. You can read an investing book, but like, you know how to burr. I, I know how to burr just from Instagram, right? Like yeah. I, I can just look at someone's feed and and learn that. Um, so don't like that stuff's easy. Investing is easy. Um, it's it's taking the action. That's the hard part. Cool. Got it. We'll go Miracle Morning, Atomic Habits, and start with why. You gave us oh, three. So there you I go. Like there you there go. You go. Um, cool. All right. So I got a fun one for you. And I know it's probably worth a little bit less to you today than it was previously, but if someone gave you a random lump sum of 50 K right now, how would you deploy it? Whether that be investing, spending on something else, just here you go. Curious what you do with it. Um, in, in where I'm at right now, I would go use it as earnest money on my next multifamily deal. Um, yeah, I mean, let's, let's put it to use. I think, uh, if you're starting out, get some education with it, join a mastermind. Um, a lot of people will say, you know, start with wholesaling, start with, um, 
start with flipping that sort of thing, build some more capital. If you got 50 K go, go buy something. I mean, that's a, that's a good chunk of money to go do something with. Uh, for me, it'd, it'd be earnest money on my next multifamily deal. Love it. Good answer. Take, take a, take a vacation. also. Yeah. I was going to say like, ha, ha, have fun with <laughs> at, it. at a certain point we gotta, we gotta have some fun. So yeah, that's um, yeah. Reward yourself along the way for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Chick-fil-A, if you guys don't know me, Chick- I, I definitely, there, there'd spend, be a little Phil, if you spend 50 grand on Chick-fil-A, I not, don't know, not, man. That's... Not entirely 50, but I, you know, I, I would definitely enjoy some Chick-fil-A. <laughs> awesome. All right. Maybe, maybe. We'll now we're talking one. my language. Might be able to get a franchise actually. I think there they're pretty go. cheap, but they're just, it takes a lot to build them up. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta work in there for a while. Yep. Yeah. All right. Rye, you can do the, uh, you can be the, the, the mascot in the suit. For the injured. Sure, dude. No problem. I'll do the cow. Eat more chicken, baby. That's awesome. So, third question of the core four. Uh, what's been your biggest mistake you've made in your investing or real estate career? And how have you learned from it? Oh, not uh not building my team center. And I can't uh, you know, make that statement enough is I tried to take too much on early on. Uh, a lot of it. Uh, even now, um, we're kind of, so in 2021, we scaled, I would say too quick, um, where it posed a number of challenges. We had to kind of revert back focusing on, uh, processes and procedures where, um, so what's crazy about that 56 net gain in 2021 is I don't think we bought anything in Q4. Maybe we bought a couple of properties, uh, but we basically took Q4 off because we had scaled so fast that we had to stabilize kind of what we had. And so not building my team, not kind of proactively looking out and saying, Hey, we're growing at this pace. I, I gotta, I gotta hire some folks and delegate, um, hands down. Love it. Love it. Right, you. Uh, I got this one. That fourth Let one. me take it home. So uh, this might this is my favorite uh, question on the core four. So this is a thinker, and it's personal, and it just it can be anything you want it to be, but it helps us get to know you a little bit. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? So why are you getting up out of bed every morning, doing what you do? I mean, you're you're if you haven't reached financial freedom, freedom, you're really close. I would assume um, it takes it takes finding your why, right, to keep you going. And uh, I'm curious what yours is. Yes. Yeah, so I, I still think I'm a little on that journey, but, but experiences. Um, so for me, it's, it's not so much about the money, right? I could quit my job, you know, kind of semi-retire now. I, I enjoy working. Um, I think from a legacy standpoint, I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. I like to give back. I'm a giver of my, my time, a uh, giver of my money. So, um, you know, got some goals to give um, what was a million dollars to, to charity at, throughout my life. And so initially I thought, okay, kind of, kind of started from humble beginnings. If I can get to, uh, what's that, uh, seven figures, uh, like 10, 20, 30 million in kind of net worth. Uh, and if I make it a 10 million and 10% of that is a million, I can give a million to charity. Right. And so I, I, I'm not smart enough to kind of be a billionaire. Right. And so this, this is actually, uh, I haven't shared this with too many people, but I'll share it with you guys. We'll, we'll share it to, to the world here. Um, <laughs> Let's do not, it. not, not smart enough to, to be a billionaire. And so it's like, all right, that's not going to happen, but you know, I I'm already a millionaire. So like I can become a multimillionaire. I can become, you know, a, a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 millionaire. I think that's possible. And so I thought if I can't be a billionaire, I can become a, seven figure billionaire. 
Oh eight. no, an eight, eight figure, eight, eight yeah. figures. So my kids, if they want to, my job is only to give them the tools and the resources. If they want to, they can do whatever they want. They can work in a family business. They can, they can, you know, uh, whatever their passion is, I want to set them up to, to be able to invest in whatever it is they want to do. But if they want to continue on, if they're, if, if they start with eight figures, if I started with nothing and I got to seven and eight figures and they start with eight figures, then they can probably get to nine figures, right? So a hundred million, a 200 million. Well, if my grandkids start with hundred million, 200 million, they can definitely get to a billionaire, right? You're just preserving wealth at that point. And so my thought was, I'm not smart enough, nor I've got the work ethic, but I don't want to, like, I want some time with family. I want to, I want financial freedom and all my time back. So my goal is to get to eight figures. If my kids want to, they can get to nine figures. And if my grandkids want to, they can get to billionaire status. So we can build a billionaire legacy. Anybody could build a billionaire legacy in three generations. That's kind of my, my thinking there. I also, I'm like, Part of me is like, have you seen them? Have you seen the show Billions? Like, I don't even know if I would need to be a billionaire. Like that, that's a lot of stress. But but I I totally I totally respect that. And 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 you're setting up your your children and your your grandchildren for future generations. So it's uh it's kudos to you. And um, it's not about us having the money, right? It's what can we do with that money? Like, how can we improve society? How can we better someone else's life through giving, you know, charity, whatever the case may be. Um, my job that's is just it, to set it in motion. That's when it gets fun, right? Like you, we always exactly. think about it. We're going through it now. And like, you know, we have, we have money too. It's not, it's not, not millionaires, but it's, it's right. interesting to think you're like, like why I'm doing all this. And then you just have this stack of cash at some point. And you're like, Oh, like I don't need the things I thought I needed. Right. Like I want some things, but to be able to change someone else's life is, is incredible. And it can go you can, anyone can do it today. I, we talked about this in a previous episode, really, I'll be brief on it, but like going through the drive-through paying for someone that's behind you, there's yep. just something you get out of that. It's like, it, it's kind of selfish, right? You, you look back and like, you're like, wow, I made their day and you want to get a certain feeling from it too. But you also right. know that you touched them. Now, if you can do that on a massive scale, right? Like look Big at LeBron, scale. he built the school in Akron and, yep. you know, just a prime example of giving back. That's the, the first one that came to the top of my head. But if you're going to, pave the way for generations, right? Like in, in potentially have billions of dollars, you're going to be able to change the world. And that's, that's, that's the cool part. That's what it's about, right? Like it, you know, me, people laugh at me all the time. I wear pants from Costco, right? So like I go to Costco, I mean, my pants are $15 max. Uh, I, I might splurge on a $22 pair of Levi's oh. occasionally, but oh, like, be careful there, uh, buddy. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, that stuff doesn't matter to me. Right. Like I've, yeah, we all have nice stuff. We all splurge on some nice stuff, uh, all the time, but like for the most part, ah, yeah, none of, none of those materialistic things matter in the end. Right. It's like, it's, it's how do you, uh, what, what are people going to say at your funeral? Right. Like, what did you do? What did you, what did you build? And nobody remembers what clothes, you know, used to wear and, and anything like that. But yeah, that that's the important piece is how can we change? Uh, how can we better society? How can we better the world? What what improvements can we make that kind of last last a lifetime, last generations? Right. Totally. I think what's the quote? They uh, nobody remembers what you said or did, but how you made them feel. And that's mm -hmm. I think that's really special and like leaving just a lasting imprint on someone's life. 
yep. is incredible. Yep. But um, with that, I love getting philosophical. Like, I love the end of the show. <laughs> um, last last segment of the show is the last drop. And this question is pretty simple one, but if you could go back in time to maybe 20 year old Phil, what advice would you give to him that knowing what you know now? Yeah. I, you know, I'm not big on, you know, I didn't regret my path at all. Right. Like our path is, is what kind of makes us to get to the point that we're in. Um, I think investing, I say investing sooner, but I didn't, when I graduated in two. I'm telling my age here, 2009 from college. Um, I was looking to invest in real estate. Well, in 2009, the real estate market was, was not a good thing to invest in, I, I guess, depending on how you look at it. But um, I invested in the stock market because everything was tanked. And so I got in at the right time and kind of wrote it up. That's what helped me get into real estate later in life. So, it, you know, nothing about investing early. I think I put a lot of emphasis on kind of climbing the corporate ladder and kind of, you know, just work, work, work. Uh, I think that's generational for where my generation was. That's just what we were told to do. And so I wish I would have kind of enjoyed some more of that time, um, you know, traveling, hanging out with friends, going out on the weekend. I was just so focused on work. Um, that I, I feel like I would have done that. So I told, if I could go back, I would tell myself and everyone else, enjoy it. I mean, you have, there are plenty of years, you can buy 135 properties in two years. Like, don't worry about, you know, trying to force it, um, grow the corporate ladder, like live your life, enjoy it, have fun, make mistakes. Uh, there's plenty of time to, to figure it out. Yeah. And Phil, don't worry. You, you're going to hit, financial freedom and you're going to have plenty of years to be able to enjoy it. You did, you did a lot of work to, to hopefully be able to create that mindset for you to enjoy it. Go get a super box for the next, uh, dogs national championship That's right. or something That's like right. that. So, exactly. um, so awesome, man, this has been a, just like such a pleasure. You've, you've put something in our heads about something that we've known we need to do. And, um, I just feel like you're a great resource. So if people want to learn more from you, they want to follow you, they want to get to know you or they, you know, network or use your company in any way, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah. Reach out to me, uh, at flip Augusta on Instagram. You can email me, uh, Philip at, uh, Philip with two L's at, uh, flip Um, and then we can get you in touch. I tell people all the time, um, yep. Yeah, I'm CEO of investment, um, brokerage, but I'm also an investor. So like, don't be afraid to reach out. Like you have access to me, uh, reach out. Um, I'm no one famous. Like I'm going to respond to you. Um, I'm, I'm not too good for anyone, but it's just like, Hey, I'm an investor. Like if you have an investing question, if you have a property manager question, if you need a re referral in another city, reach out to me. I, I may know somebody, I may be able to connect you. I may be able to answer your questions. So that's what we're here for. Uh, so don't look at me as like, Oh, he's, he's the, uh, the CEO of this investment brokerage. No, I'm an investor. So how do we help each other out? I think that's very admirable. Not many CEOs, um, or all investors do that. So you heard of people doors open, make sure to reach out to Phil at flip Augusta. If you do have any questions, incredible resource. I mean, you just heard the wealth of knowledge he has. So um, please do so. We know we will be doing the same. So, um, Phil, seriously, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure tonight. We look forward to staying in touch and thanks for a hell of an episode. 
Absolutely. No, I enjoyed it guys. I'm glad we, uh, I'm glad we hopefully broke the myth of like bad property management. There's some good, there's some good property management out there. So I appreciate it. Enjoyed it and uh, happy investing. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed the show and like what you heard, please subscribe, share with friends and leave a review on Apple podcasts. The more ratings we get, the more eyes we'll get on our show. And in turn, we'll be able to provide you all with high quality guests. It's simple. Open your podcast app, type in our podcast name, the weekly juice, click on reviews and let us know what you think. Thanks so much and see you next week. Oh,